Will y'all welcome? I hope you guys are enjoying, as Garrison kind of talked to there, the start to summer. If you were with us last week, here's what ended up happening last week. We ended up working our way through a text and where we broke it out into a part one. And today where we come in is we're finishing part two to kind of set up or to recap where we were last week. We were looking in Acts chapter 16 at the progression of the Apostle Paul, this big-time church leader, of the Apostle Paul's life. is He's beginning to plant, to found, to start this church in Philippi. Well, we're doing that because starting next week, we're going to actually open our Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. And that's where we're going to start working our way through it. But where we are today is we're going to finish the second part of that. And specifically what we're doing is we're going to look at another section, another interaction of Paul's. As we continue through this lens of what's the heart of a missionary, what is the heart of a follower of Jesus Christ, what must be the heart of his church? Go everywhere. Tell everyone. Go everywhere Tell everyone. And what do you tell them? You tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. So, but before we jump into that, I, I just got to celebrate somebody in our body. They came up to me recently and they shared a story. So for part of them, one of the things in, in this text where it's going is there is a heart of may the redeemed of the Lord say so. One of the things that's true of Christians is we love and we engage the world by our actions, like, like what we do. And it's by what we say. So evangelism, if you know, like, like proselytizing, sharing the Christian faith with others, that is meant to be normative for every Christian. That, that's not something that the Christian community outsources to the late, wonderful Billy Graham. That's something God wants you to do in your life with your friends, with your coworkers, with your neighbors, with the parents you see at school, with the people whose team on which you compete Well, there's this member of our body, this gal, legitimately terrified to do that. Hadn't been doing it, had been walking with Jesus for quite some time, I think a decade and a half, had been walking with Jesus and yet had never shared her faith. Now, if someone asked her or it was brought up or it was situational, of course she engaged, but had never had a heart to go everywhere, to tell everyone. Uh, a couple weeks ago, she was out uh, just shopping. She'd gone down to the outlets there. She was telling me, and it was kind of funny, she was like, yeah, I just went into the store just looking to buy a new dress. You ever get that feeling where you just want to buy a new outfit? Everyone's wondering if I go buy dresses now, right? But you just want to go get a new outfit, supposedly. That feeling, it just struck her. So she went to the store. She's walking around. She's looking at things. There's this sweet-hearted uh, attendant gal working retail there, comes up and says, hey, what are you looking for? She says, well, hey, I'd really love to find a dress, but honestly, I'm hoping I can wear this on the weekends, right? I'm hoping I can wear it on the weekends, but but in reality, that's hard for me because I I go to a church and I serve in the kids' ministry, and in the kids' ministry, we sing these songs and we dance and we're silly, so I don't know if I can really get a dress. She was so nervous to insert the whole spiritual component into the conversation, you know that moment where, wherever if you're out and you're talking about someone and you get that vibe of, I could take this spiritual or I could just keep going right as it is. And it feels like you're looking over the edge of something and you're just leaning over. By the grace of God, go everywhere, tell everyone. She leaned out. 
She said, no, yeah, here, I just serve with a kids' ministry, so I don't know if I can. And here's what happened. This young girl's heart who heard her, she looked at her and she just said, oh, well, where, where do you go? Asking about church. Not everybody wants to start talking about church. That's not the way everybody responds, but this young girl did. And it led to a conversation both about dresses that led to the sale of a pair of shoes, right? She even gave the gal a friends and family discount. So all I have to say is you share your faith, there's perks to it, right? Unashamed plug, all right? But she goes and she shares. They end up having this conversation. This girl's telling her, hey, I was in school, and then I left school. I, I, I grew up around faith, but I don't, I don't really know much about that. And here's what happened. There's another moment where she came, where she kind of leans over the edge, she looks out, and she says, hey, is there any way I can get your phone number? Maybe we just go get lunch sometime and hang out. Generally same age range, all that. Last week, they went and they grabbed lunch. Right, the same gal comes, sits down. You just want to be a host. You just want to be kind. You want to be normal. You don't want to weird anybody out. But she just says, man, tell me about your life. What do people love doing? They love talking about themselves. Why do we go everywhere and we tell everyone? Because there's something we want people to talk about in their life. And it's a love of Jesus. This gal went through in a way to where we can all do this. Faith and life, there's this confusion in it. But to where my, my friend, this one who would never, had never, just begins to share. Just begins to love on her. Invites her to come connect with, with a young adult group that meets here on Tuesdays. Because everyone is looking for an environment where they can just be themselves, get to know others. Because they're driving towards. There's an innate human desire to know others, and to be known. Community. Connects her to a place, and a relationship began to form. Guys, here's the reason I share that. It was a simple example of what we talked about last week. It doesn't matter if you're going to buy a dress, you're going to your kids' uh, a baseball game. It doesn't matter if you're sitting there and you throw a host party to watch the NBA Finals. We are meant, if you are a follower of Jesus, we are meant to go everywhere and tell everyone Why? God wants them to know how much he loves them. Right as I was, like, this is why it's amazing. As I was standing here, folks were walking in. I had the privilege welcoming some folks. Th this gal looked like college age. I think she's a senior, I come to find out. Came up to me. She turned the corner right there by those doors. Came up to me with this massive smile. I've never met her. I don't think I've ever seen her. She came up to me. Huge smile. And she just said, God has changed my life through the people in this church. Thank you. I didn't do anything. Thank you. I started to ask her about it, right? I started hearing a bit of her story. She's an exchange student from Spain, staying with a family. She talks about, man, it's a tremendously Catholic environment. If you're here and you're Catholic, right, welcome. We're so glad you're here. But talking about how so much of it's wrapped up in rules and oftentimes not, not a faith and a relationship, and she just says, it changed me, set me free. Thank you. We go everywhere. We tell everyone why. Because in his kindness, someone once told you. Because in his kindness, Christian, someone once told me. 
I share that because that is exactly what we're seeing in this text that we're looking at. That is exactly how the the book of Philippians, this church in Philippi, that was the heartbeat, that was the imprint on the soul that happened right from its beginning. We go everywhere, we tell everyone. And I think this matters so much because so many times, especially in like the American Christian church, the idea of, of sharing faith or just being nice It's like a foreign concept. It's one of these where we immediately associate it with somebody standing on a street corner, like a sporting event, screaming condemnation in hell. That's not what Paul did, and that's not what I'm advocating today. I'm pleading for a heart church that when you go to buy dresses, we go to get a new set of golf clubs, whatever, you say, God, is there anybody here you want me to talk to? I want to come ready. We go everywhere. We tell everyone. And why I think this matters so much too is if you're here and you're wrestling with Christianity, here's what Paul's going to really show us today, right? If you don't believe or you do believe and you have problems with believing and you don't like God, but you know you're supposed to like God, so you're confused in the whole thing and you don't know who you can tell or if you should tell and your parents can't be the right person to tell, whatever. Today, you and I, we get a glimpse into the core of the Christian faith. What really matters most. And we're going to get that glimpse because here's what happened. God had changed someone's life and from that change, he decided, I got to go everywhere. I got to tell everyone. It wasn't something special to him. It's special to God's people. So we're going to be in Acts 16 as we continue again part two of this message where we look at, man, you and I, if you are a follower of Jesus, we have a responsibility to go everywhere and to tell everyone. We, we, we looked at last week, Acts 16, and went through verses 11 through 18. I'm just going to quickly recap that. The, the first section there, we, we saw the life of this titan of industry, this woman by the name of Lydia who was once described as a worshiper of God, and then you see this transition in her life, where she goes from being a worshiper of God to where God sovereignly opens her heart to hear the words that Paul had shared, and she becomes a Christian. You see this beautiful paradox placed right beside each other where it's almost this confusing moment of faith where it really shows you can know all about God. You can grow up in church, have better church answers than me, give better sermons than me, do all the right things, have all the right outward appearances, have this knowledge of him, and yet not know him. Shared about friends last week. Friends who'd been in ministry for years. And after being in ministry for years, they realized... I don't know the one that I proclaim to love. And they come to real faith. That's why as it talks about, man, as we go everywhere, as we tell everyone, the first thing we got to do is we got to tell people we already think, and I'm going to put this word in quotes, which makes it controversial, so I'd love to talk to you afterwards if it bothers you. We got to go everywhere and tell everyone. We got to share with those who we already think, believe. Because here's what's true, church. People can be distant, distracted, confused in faith, and that can be either due to a severe lack of abiding. What I mean by that is just attending to their faith. 
or it can be because they are confused and they do not know God. We got to tell people that we think already believe. One of the most encouraging things is when I meet somebody and they start evangelizing me. I'm just so thankful for that. Like there really is, and my heart leans in, and if anything, there's like a, no, let's talk through it. No, well, hey, here's what I think, and here's my problems. And you begin to give the person like a safe environment to practice, even though they don't know they're just practicing. You tell everybody. The next person we saw was, was a slave girl with a spirit of divination. We, we saw this gal, it was called the spirit of Python, came from Apollos, go, go see it last week. We saw this gal who had come and was possessed by a demon was being used and enslaved in bondage for it, being sold by her owners for being a fortune teller and an oracle. We saw how even with the, the right knowledge of God, orthodoxy, the slave girl came and would yell at Paul, would yell at Silas, these are servants of the Most High God. They proclaim to you the way of salvation. She told the truth about him. And what happens Paul comes, he calls that demon out and restores that gal in her right mind. What do you see? The gospel goes to the uber-wealthy Lydia, the titan of industry, and to the broken, the impoverished, to the enslaved, and to the marginalized. Not just men, but women as leaders of faith. If Lydia we saw, we share with those we think already believe, with the slave girl, we saw, man, you, you, you tell people, that you know don't believe, especially the people, and this is what I think God loves to do. Like, we tend to think, or if you're like me, we're going to think, man, there's no way they'll ever believe. There's no way they're going to trust. Like, that family member, there's no way. It's, like, toxic. Don't touch that. Or that one person, the crazy person in town, the, the parent at school, there's no way that they will. The college roommates that I see every three years when we do that trip, there's no way they will. God loves to demonstrate to my simple, small faith, I am the God that changes the no way. I came for you. I've come for them. You got to tell those you know don't believe. And then that sets us up to where we are today, where the Apostle Paul, he's journeyed from one interaction with Lydia to the next interaction with the slave girl, to then where, where he's going to go now is before a crowd of people. Right, right, right where it sets up, here's what happens. Paul has just come and he's cast this demon out of this possessed slave girl. The owners of the slave girl are upset. They're mad at Paul for two reasons. They're really mad because he messed with their money. Right? And they're going to cloak it in something else. But they're mad for two reasons. They come and yes, he's basically stopped their golden goose. And then they come and they take Paul, they take Silas, they bring him before the marketplace. Think like town center. The officials there come out, these two magistrates, these magistrates would have been the two overseeing judges of, of this Roman city, this Roman colony. And they come out, and the owners of the slave girl accuse Paul and Silas of saying, these men are teaching things that are illegal. They should not be allowed to talk about it. And he was right. According to Roman law, you could not share a faith that was not sanctioned, approved by the Roman government. It was true. Paul and Silas, they'd gone to preach to Lydia. They'd gone to preach to the slave girl. Even though. And then here's what happens. The crowd forms. Paul and Silas are there. The crowd forms. And they, be, they begin to get sticks. And they beat them. These sticks, it likely would have been about this long. 
these wooden batons, three of them fashioned together to give it a sense of like heft. And they beat him. As they're being beaten, they call for a jailer. The jailer comes to get Paul and Silas, takes Paul and Silas back to prison. Right before where our text picks up, Paul and Silas, they've been taken and they've been put into not just the prison, but the inner cell of the prison. They've not just been placed in the cell, but they have been fastened with the shackles. Think first century Greek version of maximum security. That's where they have been placed. And then we are going to see how Paul and Silas, they're going to tell Lydia. They're going to tell the slave girl. I bet they told the people in the marketplace. And what are they going to do? They're going to tell the prison. We pick it up in 25, verse 25. If you have a Bible, Acts 16, 25, we're going to read the whole uh, section. It'll go all the way down through verse 34, and then we'll come back. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. They were singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately, all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, do not harm yourself. We're all here. And the jailer called for the lights. He rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. He brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? The most important question of your entire life. What must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he baptized at once, he and all his family. Then then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. So guys, as we continue part two, looking at, man, we got to go everywhere. We got to tell everyone. The third people we have, to t- we have to tell are the people that you and I don't really want to tell. The people we have to tell are the people that you and I, like if we're honest and if you're Christian, you're not really allowed to say stuff like this. But we have to tell the people we don't really want to tell. Here's why. Here's what this jailer represented. Here's what he was to Paul, to people. Then you got to remember Rome was an oppressor. People were upset with Jesus because he did not come and deliver them from the oppressor. Rome was the bad guy. Jesus didn't come to slay the bad guy. He came to destroy what was at its root, sin. So Rome being the one Pontius Pilate acknowledging Jesus, Rome being the one that will eventually not only imprison Paul, but likely by the word of its emperor Nero, say, give me his head, had pushed down, had pushed away this faith. Persecution was rampant. You weren't allowed to talk about it. Look look at how they treated Paul as he came and he shared. Yeah, 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 beat him. Imagine that. Imagine that. Someone beats you for sharing with them. 
They then imprison you. And from prison, that person eventually comes to take their life, and though they likely either swung a baton at you, they had friends that swung a baton at you, they knew that someone swung a baton at you, or they oversaw it entirely. You say, hey, man, don't hurt yourself. Put down a sword. You guys got to remember, this would have been the person in your life that you're like, that is the cruelest thing they've ever done to me. That's unforgivable. How could they? No, no, if, if you knew what happened to me, you would never ask me to even consider something like forgiveness. No, no, if you knew what they did, there's no way you'd be telling them about Jesus. I can remember when uh, Osama bin Laden was killed. If you remember watching the news, I was in, in finishing college at the time. I can remember watching the news and seeing right out front of the White House, there was this whole crowd standing there celebrating, screaming, and chanting, USA. I then went through my whole fraternity house like an idiot, screaming, USA, running around. You know who wanted Osama bin Laden to believe in him? Jesus. Am I saying there was not justice? No. What I'm saying, God is patient, but not a some count patient. He's slow. He desires that none should perish, but all should come to repentance. Guys, we tell the people we don't even want to believe. Let me walk you through what this moment would have been like. So Paul and Silas, they're likely dragged because they've been beaten. They're dragged to this prison. They're thrown in an inner cell, hard floor. They, they are fastened. Likely it would have been to an ankle, perhaps to an arm. And then here's what happened. It, it picks up where it was about midnight. So it's late at night, and these guys are praying and singing psalms. What we don't know is, man, why were they up late? Like, were they up late because literally there was just adrenaline coursing through their veins as they took a beating? Like, were they up late because the heart in response to that is, Jesus said we would be persecuted. He's deemed us faithful. Or were they up because literally likely, because you can imagine, man, as they came to be beaten, they would do what probably what you and I would do. They, they would curl up in a fetal position to protect vital organs on the inside. They would have likely covered the back of the neck and the back of the head for a blow that would come there. Toward the primary place you could have really hit him was straight across the back and shoulders. Or were they awake because they went to lay down on the ground? But literally the wounds, the blood, the bruises, the pain, it just hurt too bad. To where they just sat back up and they said, man, when in doubt, sing. Right? There's this amazing thing. Whenever folks in the midst of darkness, whether it be suffering, pain, loss, illness, discouragement, attack, violence, anything, in the midst of darkness, when Christians start to sing, even if it is with shaking knees and a broken voice, people look, people notice. And what does it say? Prisoners were listening to him. The prisoners would have known, oh, those guys just got dragged past my cell. They couldn't walk. And now they sing. They thank the one who's led them and allowed them. They sing. After that, there's this moment where this, this earthquake comes. This supernatural earthquake comes. It says it shakes 
the foundation of the prison. And what happens? Like doors are open, shackles are loose. First time I read that, I was like, really? Like you just had one like targeted earthquake, right? Maybe it went throughout the region. I don't know. Targeted earthquake that shook the prison like perfectly, like shackles unfastened, like did something fall, break the shackle open? Did it just come open? Doors open and then people can just walk out, really? And God in kindness just responded to me, really? Jesus Christ came back from the dead. I parted the seas. I stopped the sun. I overwhelmed an army with just 300. I have come to set you free from the captivity and bondage of sin, John. Really? God can totally do that. Totally. This earthquake comes. Doors are opened. It would have been panic, man. Sheer panic. Can you imagine that? Like, they make movies out of this, like where all the prisoners escape, it's just nuts, and it's mayhem, and all the while that this is happening, there's two things going on. There's a jailer asleep, who likely would have stayed there, because it was that night, his shift, and an overseer slept there. Like, you don't know, was he startled awake from the screaming of the prisoners? Was he a heavy sleeper, to where literally the earthquake had just didn't wake him? I don't know. But here's what would have happened. He would have come felt all of this, heard all of this, walked out in the hallway, looked down the hall, seen the doors open. Sheer panic. Because in that moment, he knows I'm responsible for every one of these. If they get out, I'm held responsible. They'll kill me. And in a broken view, goes to turn the sword on himself. That's what's happening in one area. The other area, somehow, here's what I can imagine. And, and part of this, guys, we want to use like biblical creativity, but staying in the lane of Scripture. You never leave what the Bible says. But man, I can imagine Paul and Silas are there. The ground starts to shake. I have no idea if they like somehow knew it was coming or if once it started shaking, they're like, he is so good. He's good if he leaves us and that jailer comes tomorrow and he kills us but he's going to open that door. He doesn't have to. He is good. Like, as they sit there, and then all of a sudden the door comes open, chains fall, and then they, like by the power of the Holy Spirit, have this decision moment. Do we stay or do we go? Do we stay or do we go? And Paul, Silas, they stay. And somehow, I don't know what it would have been like. The Holy Spirit restrains them. Paul yells out to the other prisoners because he wouldn't have seen a man. It's like, it's like a prison block, even if it was set up likely in the form of a square with loops. He's like reaching out in the hall, stay in your cells. Trust me. And why would they? Why would they trust him? One, maybe God's just opening their hearts too. Two, they just saw a man dragged past, beaten and bloody, and then sing songs of gratitude. Go everywhere. Tell everyone. Paul's in prison. He's not going to miss the chance to tell the prisoners. And then what do you see? He's not going to miss the chance to tell the jailer. The one who was a part of the institution, the one who perhaps oversaw his beating, the one who perhaps grabbed a stick and hit him, 
is that one goes to turn the sword on himself, Paul. Like, I can imagine, man, a panicked moment where Paul realizes that. I don't think Paul is just in his cell quietly saying, hey, do not harm yourself. Don't do it, buddy. No. Because in this moment, the jailer is going to have to come down and then see Paul. So we at least know from the text, Paul's sitting there likely in the cell with, with an illumination of God's spirit is he knows the jailer. And Paul is screaming, don't hurt yourself. Don't do it, man. Please, just come talk to me. Don't hurt yourself. Dude, Paul in that moment says, man, forget my freedom. I won't leave the cell if it impacts your faith. Your faith over my freedom, all day long I'll make that decision. What happens? The, the jailer comes. He yells out, man, turn the lights on. There would have been another guard that would have run down like lighting torches to where you could just see it by, by, by firelight. Why, man? It was midnight before. What time is it now? I don't know. 12.15? 12.30? 1 a.m.? I have no idea. He runs down. He turns. He comes into the comes into the cell with Paul and Silas. He lands on his knees with fear and trembling. And then he begins to ask this question as they kind of journey back out in the hallway. And he says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? I love how before Paul and Silas were the prisoner. And now the guard is realizing two things, I think. Two things. He calls them sirs. I think he's realizing, man, I've held the keys to every single one of these prison cells. And I have not been in control. There's, there's a God somewhere, and these guys seem to know him. And I don't think I'm the guy in charge right now. I think their God is. And what you begin to see through this is why he's asking the question, what must I do to be saved? It's because the prisoner, the one who comes and holds people in captivity, he's realizing maybe there's a different captivity that I'm in. Maybe they have something that I don't. Maybe they believe something that I don't. Maybe they know someone that I don't. Maybe they have a freedom that I don't. What must I do to be saved? Love that man. Because right there in that moment, Paul and Silas, I can imagine this went through their head. This is why God let them beat us. So we could sing to them, say to you, believe in the Lord Jesus. You will be saved. You ever want to know how to share the gospel? I'll give you five words. Believe in the Lord Jesus. Believe in the Lord Jesus. What does it take to be saved? What if you keep sinning? Do you believe in the Lord Jesus? Right? What, what if in your past, like you, you have sins that you don't think God will forgive? No, you believe in the Lord Jesus. What, what if you go and you commit some terrible sin in the future? Believe in the Lord Jesus. Our faith is not attached to behavior, it's attached to belief. But what happens to the believers, man? They go and they tell. And you can't act like that faith doesn't change the way you behave because here he is crying out, don't hurt yourself, even though that guy may have swung the stick right against him. I love where it goes next. 
Like, this is why the Bible, guys, it's so amazing. And every time you come to it, ask God, would you help me to think through this? Envision yourself in the room. Right here, here's what happens. Paul comes, shares this, and then they take a field trip. They take a field trip from prison. Like, you know those vans sometimes you're driving down the highway that you know, like, people are in the back of it and they're, like, handcuffed? I don't know if they borrowed, like, their version of a wagon, like a chariot, if they just walked. I have no idea. They take a field trip. Because what does Paul say? Believe in the Lord Jesus, you and all your household. So what does that mean? Does that mean that by the, by the husband trusting, all of a sudden there's a covering over the whole household? No. But I can imagine this jailer did what happens to people when they come to believe. But how, what about them? What about my family? Do they have to do anything different? Like, do they have to believe? Like, do they need to, to, to journey to Mount Olympus to come and pay homage do they need to go to a deity? Do they need to go to a priestess? What do they need to do? No, 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 man. Believe in the Lord Jesus. That's, that's it? That's it. If God opens that in your heart, that's it. He paid the penalty for every wrongdoing you've done and will ever do. Believe in the Lord Jesus. He takes them back to his house. Like imagine the jailer walking with Paul and Silas. I wonder if they were so wounded like he had to help them walk takes him back to his house. I, I don't know what time it is. I, you could guess, man, they'd been hanging out. They had a conversation, talking about Jesus Christ, and he walks into the house. Maybe, maybe it's 1, 2 a.m., a little bit later. They come back to the house. Jailer knocks on the door. I don't know if because of the earthquake, the family was already up and startled. If, if they'd gotten up and then gone back to bed, is likely because it says his household's there. Maybe his wife kind of calmed the kids down. Or he comes and he knocks. Man, imagine that. Someone comes in the middle of the night. They're not supposed to be there. First thing his spouse would do, oh, is everything okay? Is everything okay? Dude, I can just imagine this jailer. Never been better. Sweetheart. I need your help to wake the kids. There's something we got to tell them. And there's something I have to tell you who are likely there. They saw their dad. They wake up. Like, like, like kids there, this guy's bleeding, that guy's bleeding. Dad's there just smiling, but they're still smiling, waking up in the middle of the night like their eyes having to adjust to the firelight and coming. And dad's saying, there's something different. Here's what happened. I haven't really figured out how to, how to tell you yet. These men are here to share with it. And what does Paul do? He shares the word of the Lord with them. He tells them, believe in the Lord Jesus. Go everywhere. Tell everyone. Whole family comes to trust in Jesus Christ. I can only imagine what it would have been like to be inside the house. Like, do they go to the kitchen? Do they have a living room? Like, did a house back then even have a living room? Like, I don't know if a Roman prisoner guard is like middle class, lower class, upper class. I have no idea. But whatever room they were in, man, the Spirit of God was there. You see something beautiful. Whole family comes trust Christ in this prison guard, what does he do? He begins to clean the wounds of Paul and Silas. He begins to heal the ones he likely hurt. And then Paul does with him what all Christians do. It's what the student ministry did yesterday. They say, no, you and your family, you've come to believe. Dude, we got to go baptize you. We have to go baptize you. 
Not so you can be saved, but because you are saved. We have to go tell the world, even though we're going to do it by moonlight, we got to go at once. The old you is gone. You, your kids, get in the water and then come back up. New one is here. Why? You believed, man. You believe the same thing that I believed. You believed. Baptizes the whole house. Comes back. Comes back to the house. Likely, likely dripping wet. How far Paul went in. It, w- it would have been a full immersion, but like they're soaking wet. Likely have to change clothes. Paul's robe is there, but he's still bleeding. Comes back, sits there. And they make him a meal. Still at his house. Eating food, breaking bread with his family, like, like sitting around a table or, or kids there, and they're seeing Paul. They're asking, What's happening? This is amazing. My dad's changed. This is the craziest, most amazing night of my life. One day, centuries later, two millennia later, people are going to talk about us. This is nuts. And then they do what all Christians should do they rejoice in the fact they've been saved. They sit around there. I can imagine that jailer. He sat there and he's like, where I was 12 hours ago is not where I am now. My eternity has changed. And they just celebrate the kindness of God. I can imagine he's sitting there and he's asking Paul. He's asking Silas like all these questions. The kids are seeing the dad want to grow in a real love, like a real faith. Not just come Sunday, check the box faith, but like all-encompassing, soul-gratifying faith. Later that night, before daybreak, we're not going to read the text here, but you can see it if you want to go back and read it, 35 through 40, Paul and Silas go back to the prison. They go back to the inner cell. Later the next day, the magistrate, they send folks to come and release him, set him free. Paul, God Almighty, in his sovereignty, wanted them there for one night. Go everywhere. Tell everyone even if it's not the place you want to go. Paul kind of gets in this back and forth, and no, they can come and tell me because Paul was a citizen. I'll, I'll let you guys check it out. Guys, we go everywhere. We tell everyone because he told us. Because someone once came and told you, a parent, a friend, a colleague, a sibling, a pastor, a community group leader, a volunteer service coordinator, a camp counselor, a teacher when they weren't supposed to, a teacher when they were supposed to. We go everywhere. We tell everyone. Because God in kindness sent someone to tell you. God in kindness sent someone to tell me. This is the mission. This is the heartbeat that Paul set up. It's the same thing he did with Lydia. Same thing he did with the slave girl. Same thing as he sang to the prisoners. And then God set free the jailer. We go everywhere. We tell everyone. Guys, I want to give you guys a bit of a visual aid. It's a visual aid that's helped me for for years. Right? You'll get these if you want one as you exit there may be a few more people here than what we have to where if we miss it, we'll get your name, we'll send it to you. This is just basically called a top 10 card. 
It's nothing fancy. It's nothing symbolic. There's nothing mystical about it. What it is is a visual aid reminder of I got to go everywhere and I got to tell everyone. What you do is there's literally just a list on this back side of this piece of paper of, of 10 blanks. 10 blanks being who are 10 people you know that you have influence with, relationship with, that don't know God. Start writing them down. If you're like me, the folks I tend to put at those top spots are family members. Family always feels a little more difficult for some reason. Right? And then you just start to put that. And then off to this, you just have this simple, and again, don't think legalistic, literal checkbox. Think spirit of God. He sent me. He saved me. And now he's sent me. I got to go everywhere. I got to tell everyone. To each one of these names here, there's a check for the first one where it just says, man, start a friendship. Like, get to know somebody. Say, hey, my name's John. How are you? Right, how, how's your weekend been? You got any fun plans for the summer? So what do you do for work? How many kids do you have? Where do you go to school? What grade are you in? You play any sports? Whatever you want to talk about. Just, just be loving. Second thing it says, share your story of grace. If you are here and you are a believer in Jesus Christ, Every single one of you have a redemptive story of what God has done in your life. It doesn't matter if you became a Christian four years old beside your daddy's bedside or if you trusted Christ deeply later in life, right before he literally brought you home. If you're a believer, you have a story, tell them. If you don't know how to tell them, come. We will equip you. We will train you. Third thing it says is invite, right? I want to put invite for, for two things, right? Um, actually, excuse me, before that, I tried to redesign this by the time we got here this Sunday, but we just didn't have any time. I want to add another one, and I think this is really contextual to where culture's going. People don't do this anymore, especially younger generation. They have the highest value of hospitality. Now, they define hospitality, so you know, it's mostly just be kind, like be loving, but more and more folks, it is still welcome, but strangely inviting if you just invite them to your house for dinner. Inviting somebody Sunday morning for a church service. Like in New Braunfels, that's still a little normative, but beyond that, it's not. And some people here, it's not. So what I'm not telling you to do is just come and invite a bunch of people here. I'm telling you to, you go tell them what Jesus did. You invite them to your house. You break bread with them. You share. But the third one, it is invite. I want to invite to mean two things to this body. Yes, invite them here. Don't ever outsource the privilege of sharing what God has done to me when you can do it. But man, if you don't feel that being reinforced here, we're not getting after what Paul did. Go everywhere. Tell everyone. Paul did both. And the second part of invite that I want us to think about is share with them. Ask them. Well, man, do you have a faith? Have you ever considered believing? Would you like to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? God changes hearts. That's entirely up to him. But man, is he looking to use us. He is looking to use us. Church, we got to go everywhere. We got to tell everyone. Because somebody told us. I, I, I want to close with this. Stepping back into this text, one of the things that I, I love to do 
is, again, stay in the lane of Scripture, but, but allow my mind with creativity to envision what could that be like? To where there's the moment where they've gone, they, they've baptized, they've made a meal, they've come back, and they're sitting and they're breaking bread, and they are rejoicing at what God has done. Right? There's this household there to where there's likely a wife, and with a household, kids would have been likely included. What ages were the kids? I, I, I don't know. Likely younger. Because you remember right about older in age 13, that's where really you're stepping into adulthood, so maybe they're in a different family if they haven't been married. So likely younger kids. I thought about this text this week. I, I have a two-year-old, and I have the privilege, just because of my role, get to hang out with a lot of kids. And there's something that's true about kids that I know and you know. Is kids just ask the questions that everyone else is thinking. They don't yet have the social filter to say, hey, shh, let's not talk about that. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Y'all know what I'm talking about, Right? To where I just sit here in my mind's eye as they're celebrating what God has done. Like I just envision boy, girl, it doesn't matter, but in my head it's a girl. Right, this jailer's daughter's coming up to Paul and to Silas, sitting there, and she's like, they finished the meal before, and Paul and Silas, famished and tired, still eating. Coming up to him and saying, what's that wound for? What's that wound for? Hey, daddy, why is he bleeding? And then the dad, if it's like my house, you answer the question, and then right after that, what's that wound for? Why is he bleeding? What's that wound for? Why are they bleeding? Mommy, mommy what's, what's wrong? If it's a real little one. I can imagine in that moment if I was the jailer, because he's young in faith, where I got to be discipled, and old's gone, new has come. But I bet that there was this man. It's hard to find a way to tell my daughter. I was a part of or I helped oversee the imprisonment of these men, even though they've come to set my entire family free. They've given us a gift far more valuable than riches and gold. I can tell you why those wounds are there. I can imagine the dad, man. The heart, like the chest, the posture, just kind of bow his head. And I can just imagine in that moment, right, Paul, he's sitting there, and he would just smile and lean in, look at the little one, and just say, no, no, this, this was so I could meet you. This was so I could come and tell your daddy about how there's a different father in heaven who loves you and who loves him. This, this is nothing. They didn't even know what they were doing. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. They didn't even know what they were doing. Don't worry about the wound, sweetie. This was so I could meet you. So that when I could come, and he'll come back to Philippi in the future and ask you, who loves you? Hopefully this sweet girl's answer is, Jesus. Is her daddy instilled in her? We go everywhere. We tell everyone. Because someone told us. Like imagine if she's asking that, Paul's sitting there. And I can imagine he sits in this family. You know what else he did to other families? He destroyed them. He ripped them apart. He killed dads. He took moms for their faith in Jesus. And even though he'd come to wreck in this moment through the redemptive power of God, he's bringing healing as God works through him. Paul's got to be thinking, I did far worse than these wounds. I'm here to tell you. Church, our wounds look totally different than what Paul's were. Right? Maybe you get beaten for your faith. I doubt it. 
But what wouldn't surprise me is if your neighbors viewed you as the strange Christian radical who took their faith just a little too seriously. That when you show up at holidays and family get-togethers, they just default and turn to you because you're the spiritual one to pray. Or like, is, is your friends from college come to get together and they want to go away for a weekend? There's like a joking, like, okay, they're the designated driver. Or, or the bachelor party comes together and, and half of the group leaves because you have determined to set no unwholesome thing before your eyes and they look down on you as you stay there lonely pleading with God for faith and he changed their life. Whatever your wound is, you got to share with people who you think already believe. You got to share with people who you don't who you know don't believe. And we got to share with people who if we were honest at times we don't want to believe. Let me pray that we would do that and then we'll get out of here. Father, I thank you for the truth of your word. How because of what you've done in our life, we as followers of you, we have a mission. We don't create it. We don't come up with it on our own. You've given it to us. It's a ministry of reconciliation. We go everywhere. We tell everyone. It doesn't matter if they are Lydia's in the titan of industry, the rich and the wealthy, or the slave girl with a spirit of divination, the broken, the oppressed, the marginalized. We tell everybody. And we treat them the way you treated us, which when we do that, we set captives free as you do it through us, as you open hearts. Lord, may we be a people that do that. We don't ever want to do it out of guilt, but out of love. Place that on this church. Make us people who tell. Make this normal. And may other people, may we have the privilege of them saying, oh, that church, they just, they just take it just a little too seriously. No, no, they're great, but they just take it a little too seriously. May that be said of us and more so. And may we be the most loving people on the face of the planet. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, y'all, hey, thank you guys for coming and spending the morning with us. If you want to come and hang out, learn a little bit about membership, you're more than welcome to. But if not, man, y'all go get out of here. Have a great lunch. But y'all go and have a great week of worship. See you next week.